Welcome to the Strawberry Jam Sessions, brought to you by Victorian Strawberries. I'm your host, Simone Austin, accredited practicing dietitian and lover of all things strawberry. Each episode will bring you a palette full of goodness to help you make the most of Victorian strawberries. So let's get to it. And today I'm lucky enough to have with me someone who actually has interviewed me a few times on podcasts, but today I have the pleasure of interviewing Wayne Schwoss. Thanks for joining us, Wayne. My pleasure, Simone. It's um, nice to be on the other side of the conversations as the guest this time. Exactly. For those of you who haven't caught my episodes on Pucker Up, make sure you head over there and have a listen to them. Before we dive into it, I'm just going to read a short bio because you've achieved a lot in your life, Wayne. I had to shorten the bio a bit because otherwise maybe our whole episode would have been all about your achievements. <laughs> but after a distinguished AFL playing career, Wayne has become a respected sports media broadcaster, including his current position with Triple M Footy. In addition to his work within the AFL industry, Wayne has become a passionate advocate for mental health awareness and suicide prevention. In 2006, Wayne founded the Sunrise Foundation, an organisation he created which focused on delivering preventative education programs to secondary school students between years 2007 and 2010. More than 5,000 students participated in the Foundation's HeadSmart program. Wayne's passion for health and wellbeing ultimately drew him back to mental health advocacy, a passion that led him to create Pucker Up, launched in 2017. Pucker Up is a social enterprise focusing on mental health, emotional wellbeing, and importantly, suicide prevention. The Pucker Up vision is to create the environments for every person to have authentic and genuine conversations about mental health and emotional wellbeing. Wow, that's, that's a lot there. So what got you into the space of mental health, Wayne? Oh, quite simply, Simone, it was a lived experience. So for a large portion of my football career, I, I privately and silently battled with mental health conditions. So I have an understanding of the impact that these conditions have, Simone. And then I decided a long time ago that I wanted to do something that, <clears throat> pardon me, actually helped other people. And that's the reason why I decided to get into this space. And it's certainly been a, a journey that, particularly at this time, isn't it? It's been a really tough year for a lot of people. And that's probably brought mental health awareness um, to the forefront a bit more, which is a great thing. What have you seen happen around mental health this year, Wayne? Oh, there's there's been quite a lot, Simone. I mean, this this 2020 has been an incredible year for everybody, um, but especially people that have lived in Melbourne because of the the restrictions that all Melbournians have had to try and come to terms with. So there's been a few things. If I go back to the end of last year, here in Victoria, I was um, invited to be a witness into the Royal Commission into the mental health sector here in Victoria. Um, And I think this is important context for people because it's been universally acknowledged now that we have pre-COVID a system and a network and a sector which was fundamentally broken. And this is not a criticism at anybody that works in this space or the sector. So it was broken. It was under-resourced. And it was systematically flawed. So that context is important because what the commissioners have um, identified and acknowledged with the findings to be released soon is that pre-COVID we had a system and a sector that wasn't able to respond and support people who were living with mental health conditions and in crisis. You now overlay the impact of COVID on top of a sector which wasn't in a position to respond and support people in their moment of need. 
we now have an increasing number of people who are under stress, who are potentially living with these conditions, and unfortunately, people who are in crisis. So simplistically, what I'm saying is we're not in a position to respond to the increased number of people who need professional support, which reinforces, though, the need that we need to be far more focused on prevention and early education. And yes, it's great news that we've received here in Victoria. That's encouraging, but it doesn't exclude the fact that people need support. They need to have the professional support afforded to them. They may not even be able to afford the professional support that they need. Yeah. So this is this is the bigger issue. We've yes. shut down a state to protect lives, and I support that as a result of lives lost to COVID. But the bigger issue is the impact to a much larger group of people and their mental health and emotional well-being. And what sort of triggers should people be looking for, Wayne? Like in your work, you've become very familiar with helping people look for that. What What are some suggestions that people should look for? Well, I think the best way to answer that, and it's probably the most appropriate way, Simone, is to answer that um, from a personal perspective. Look, I've got to say that the last six months from a personal and professional point of view have been, I've experienced everything. I've had great days. I've felt really positive. The future's looked really good. But there have been times, um, Simone, where I've felt really overwhelmed. I've felt incredibly stressed. I've been worried about the future, both individually and, and professionally. I've been concerned about our business, whether or not it would get through. I'm pleased to say that we've done a remarkably good job in that regard. And I've felt days where I've felt really sad. So as someone who has worked in this space for a long time, but also I invest into my well-being every day, I found it tough. So the triggers that I pay attention to are what's my sleep like? Am I prioritizing my sleep? Am I getting enough sleep? It's the, as you would know, I'm, I'm not telling you anything you don't know. Sleep is the most important thing we can give ourselves. ourselves. And there was a quote recently um, that is not mine. It was from one of the guests of our podcast and um, her name is Shelley Laslett. And she said it beautifully. She said, sleep is tonight's investment into tomorrow's productivity. And I think that's a really poignant statement. When we invest into getting quality sleep, we give our body and our mind time to repair and rest. And if we don't give it the sleep, then we don't have the energy to be productive and efficient tomorrow, especially when we're stressed. So sleep, what am I sleeping like? What am I exercising? Am I exercising as much as I normally would and should or have I have I stopped exercising? What's my diet like? And the three really important components of a diet, and I've learned a lot of this from you, what do I eat? So what's the food I consume? What am I drinking? What are the fluids? But also through COVID, one of the things that became really important to me was what content am I consuming? And what I noticed was I was watching the the news cycle of a morning and we were being force-fed the COVID stats every day. And I realised after about four weeks, this was actually having a negative impact on the way I felt and thought. So I stopped watching it for a period of time. So I think that that's an important thing for people to think about. If I feel agitated, if I feel overwhelmed, if I have periods where I feel sadness for no apparent reason, if I'm feeling stressed, if I feel like I don't want to return phone calls or emails or text messages, it doesn't mean that I've got a mental health condition. What it means is that my well-being is starting to be negatively impacted, and that's really important because that allows me to identify, okay, what's happening I audit what's going on in my life and if my sleep's not to the level it needs to be, if I'm not exercising, I'm not eating well, I'm not talking to the key people in my life, if I'm working too much and not saying no enough, I can identify those things very quickly and then start to make decisions to recalibrate. And the point of doing that is that it allows me to recalibrate my well-being 
and get back to feeling like I've got things under control, which means that I'm preventing, inviting anxiety or depression, obsessive compulsive disorder back into my life. Yeah. Yeah. And it is about being aware, isn't it? So everything you were talking about there is you needing to be a bit aware of what what you're doing. So that self-awareness and reflection yes. and checking in with yourself is really important, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. And that's not something that I think happens overnight. It comes, well, there's a, there's a couple of things. I think number one, our health individually is our responsibility. So if I, if I want to be healthy and well, it's on me to take responsibility for that. That's number one. But then as I've grown up, grown older, perhaps matured, I've started to develop a, a level of self-awareness to understand what's actually happening from an emotional and a mental perspective as well as feelings. And for a large part of my life, Simone, I would have ignored those, those emotions and feelings and I, I probably, if I'm being really honest, I didn't have an ability to identify them. So in, in the last five or six years, I've, I've spent a lot of time reconnecting emotionally. So when I feel all sorts of feelings and emotions, I actually acknowledge them. I may not understand what, why they're happening, but I don't ignore them. And I give myself permission to start to reflect on it and go, okay, what's happening here? Why do I think this could be happening? And the other thing that I put in with regards to a trigger is that I probably drank a bit more than I normally would through COVID. And um, when you drink, as you know, it interrupts your ability to get quality sleep. You don't yes. rest properly. And it's not, it's not something that's helpful for people who deal with anxiety. In fact, it's actually quite triggering. So that's the other yes. thing that I would also include in this is that having a level of self-awareness, is this helping or is this hindering? And if it's hindering, if I continue to make this decision, I pay the price or I make a different decision and I minimise or stop drinking for a period of time until I feel like I've got things under control again. You talked about looking after your mental health in terms of diet and alcohol. And obviously for myself, the dietitian, they're two things that are, you know, close to my heart. And certainly alcohol is a depressant. So you might feel good for a period of time, but then it does tend to, you know, pull you down. On the food thing, I know that you're quite into looking after your, your diet and you think about the food choices. So what are some of the things that you do there, apart from, of course, eating some Victorian strawberries when they're in season, but what else do you add in your diet? Well, I was very lucky to receive a big tray, and I mean a big tray. There were 15 punnets of these beautiful, bright, Ooh. delicious red strawberries, so they did not go to waste. I look, I, I, I've, I have changed the way that I eat over a long period of time. And when I was an athlete, it was very uh, heavily protein-based with a lot of carbs, pastas, meats, those type of things. Um, but as I've got older and through education um, and wanting to learn more about, I've, I've sort of moved. I'm not vegetarian. I'm certainly not vegan and I'm not judging those people. We all make decisions which are based on our best interests. But I have moved to a more predominantly plant-based diet, eat a lot of salads, eat a lot of greens. Um, I do love chicken. Um, I eat quite a lot of Japanese food, especially sushi. Um, but there was a period of time, Simone, where probably for about four years I didn't eat any red meat. I've started to eat a little bit of red meat, but it might be a steak every couple of weeks. I do enjoy a steak, but I, I I'm skewed more towards predominantly a plant-based diet. I've increased my water intake, which is something that I haven't done for a long time, but I drink a lot of water. Um, and, and, and this is just, again, it's, it's consciously 
Don't get me wrong. I've got a sweet tooth and I like potato chips. Not a good choice. Yeah. But I balance that. In balance. Yeah, I balance that with trying to make informed decisions most days where I'm consciously thinking about what I'm eating and what I'm drinking. And, and, and again, I'm not lecturing and telling people what to do, but I, I think that for a lot of people, we eat and we drink our way to illness. I don't want that to happen. It's not a guarantee, but what I have control over is what choices can I make today which actually help me feel better. And again, if I go back to a couple of interviews, one in particular with you, the relationship of my gut bacteria with the way that I think and I feel. And now having an understanding of the role that the, the gut bacteria plays within my body and the connection that that has with my brain, that gives me the power to make different decisions. And that's a choice that everybody has available to them. So I choose to eat healthy or I choose to eat poorly. And if I choose whichever one I choose, that will determine the outcome. And also, you know, if you're going to feel good and as you said, you've got that power and you've got about two kilos of gut bacteria in there. So it's a lot of bacteria to feed. Yeah, you can make the choice of feeding them with lots of legumes and lentils and whole grains and vegetables and salads and and also reminding ourselves that they actually taste great as much as your potato chips taste great and it's fine to enjoy them. All those other foods can taste great, too, because you mentioned that you, you know, your strawberries that you ate. I bet you, I had some too. If you, if you just got a damp cloth, you don't have to actually wash them, but um, wipe them down, and you would have eaten those straight out of the punnet. How good did they taste? Yeah, beautiful. I love strawberries. I love, I love, I love most fruits and vegetables. Yeah, and then also I had, um, I've interviewed um, a couple of chefs and. Cutting them up. I don't know if you've done this, Wayne, but why don't you try chopping them up and putting them in your salads? Uh, actually, actually, believe it or not. Um, I did that last night. So I had watermelon, I had strawberries, we had uh, lettuce, we had cucumber, uh, mushrooms, asparagus. I love strawberries. I love strawberries for brekkie. I could have it all the time. I have it in smoothies and I do have it on salads. But the other thing that I forgot to mention is that over the last six months, I've I've always enjoyed cooking and I, I cooked a lot when I was playing football because I had the time. Uh, and we hadn't had our children by that stage. Um, and over the last six months, because of COVID, I was spending a lot more time at home. I think we ate Uber, Uber Eats four times in six months. But I love Fantastic. the process of cooking food now. I love preparing it. I love going and buying it. I love starting with a bench full of vegetables and fruits and those type of things. And then by the end of it, like last night's salad with um, some uh, roasted chicken, I love the process of cooking it and then enjoying it. And I think there's something quite therapeutical um, with regards to purchasing, preparing, cooking, presenting, eating. And I quite like cooking for people. That's good because it is an achievement, isn't it? When you start from nothing and you put something together, it's a real sense of pride and achievement. And if you think about some of the most successful eating patterns in the world, they're the Mediterranean type Mm. diet. Um, And those diets where people sit around and eat together And as you said, they have a love of cooking, preparing and growing their food. Mm. And there's a lot to say for how that makes us feel. And did did the family enjoy what you, you know, what you cooked? Yeah, yeah, they they do. I tested out on a few people before I let it, uh, I put it on a plate in front of my kids. I need to get I need to get the okay from other people first, which I've done. My my kids my kids are quite funny. Um, they all eat different things, but they, they still find it hard to believe that I can actually cook beyond a toasted sandwich 
or a spaghetti jaffle. <laughs> but no, I, I just, I, I've really enjoyed it. It reminded me of how much I do enjoy. And actually, I, I love cooking. I love preparing for people. Um, and it's just, it's, it's a wonderful experience to be able to sit there and prepare a meal and sit down with other people that you care about um, and enjoy it and see them enjoy the meal that you've cooked for them. Absolutely. And, and have a chat and um, a chat about the day and share the story. So it then does become that holistic mental health thing. You're pausing, you're taking your time to eat when you're with other people. You've taken a bit of time out to cook the meal. Um, you're eating nourishing foods and then you're sharing that bond with people when you're cooking. So it, it's, it is that mental health thing from the inside out really, isn't it? It's the whole experience. Yeah, I think, I think food brings people together. And I think the other thing which is which has been really important is, you know, we, we live prior to COVID, we live in a really fast-paced, um, stressful, ever-evolving world. And I think sometimes for a lot of people, and, and this is certainly my experience, we'd lost we'd lost connection to having one meal together a day. And I think that's really important that we give ourselves permission just to pause, as you said have a nice feed together, sit down and just talk. Because when we do that, we're actually connecting with the key people in our lives. But we went a step further, and that is that we, we just put the phones off the table. Because I think, Absolutely. you know, again, pre-COVID, I travel a lot. You walk past restaurants and cafes and places where people gather, they've got food on the table. There's two or three people at the same table, but they're actually engaging with their phone. And for me, I sit there and go, what are we really missing here? We're missing that social human connection. COVID has reinforced that social human connection underpins our health, both physical and mental. And if we can give ourselves the opportunity of sitting down with key people and just enjoying the food, but also enjoying the company, it's really healthy for us, not just from a food point of view, but from a mental and an emotional connection perspective. I really believe that that's a lot of the um, success to those those patterns of eating around the world that are where the people live for the long times, so those sort of blue zone type thing. I, I think it's more than just the food for sure. So getting outdoors, I know that you're a cyclist. How do you use exercise? Because obviously being an athlete, you use exercise then, but are you still into your cycling and does that help with your mental health? Yeah, yes and yes. Um, I love cycling. I'm not a runner. I don't like it. It looks painful and I've done enough of it during my footy career. <laughs> so for me, for me to even think about it, it's just not something that I enjoy. So my attitude simply is if I don't enjoy it, why would I do it? Because it doesn't give me any pleasure. It, it, I don't feel good about it. I don't look forward to it. But I do with cycling. Cycling does a number of things for me, Simone. I've ridden, I've ridden well, when I say seriously, I'm just obsessed with cycling as a sport, but I've probably done it for the last 15 years. I, there's a few reasons why I do it. Obviously, the physical benefits. Keeps me fit, keeps me toned. I physically feel much better when I'm exercising. I do it for the social connection. Pre-COVID, I, ride, I used to ride with the same group. There's about 30 guys all around a similar age. We put a lot of um, lighthearted humour on each other. But in, in a serious um, sense... It was my football team. I look forward to riding with them. I look forward to each ride. I look forward to spending an hour, two hours, four hours on a bike. I look forward to having a coffee. And sometimes I'd look forward to having a beer together, you know, if we caught up and had yes, a beer or a barbecue. Nice. So that sense of connection. The main reason why I have ridden my bike is because it has a tremendous meditative impact on my mental health and emotional well-being. If I haven't ridden for a while, I get agitated, I get overwhelmed, and my mood can change. 
Um, and what that tells me is that exercise is a really important part of my maintenance of my well-being and mental health. And the number of times that I've been stressed or there's been an issue in my life where I didn't know how I was going to deal with it or I didn't have a solution, I'd hop on my bike on my own, I'd go for a long ride, and I think, I can't substantiate this, but I think it's because I'm doing something I love, I'm on my own, I don't have any distractions of you know relationships or emails or phone calls, it's just me and my thoughts. And I think what happens is that gives me the space just to think and the number of times over the last 15 years where I've had an issue and halfway through a bike ride, an idea comes into my head. And I don't know where it comes from, but it comes into my head and go, wow, that's how I can work my way through this. So it has that benefit. But one of the things that I've also realised, and I've said this consistently over the last few months, what I've now come to realise is when I'm on my bike, and this might sound strange to people, but I mean this with all sincerity. When I'm on my bike, it is the single greatest thing that allows me to tap into what I'm thinking and feeling. I'm doing something that I love. I don't, I'm not being distracted. I've got time to think. And it just allows me to go, okay, what am I thinking about? What am I feeling at the moment? And I, 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 I just... I don't know what it is. It creates space. Beautiful mm, connection. In your brain. Correct. And it's just allowing myself to go, okay, take a deep breath. Where am I at? What's going on in my life? What do I feel about it? What do I think about it? Do I need to do anything about it? Or can I just sit with it? And I always feel better once I've ridden my bike. And, and, and I think it's just become such an important strategy or, or technique that I use and I'll continue to use until I can't ride a bike anymore. Absolutely. And it's um, one, one part also is the endorphins that are produced when you move your body in any way. But I think also you um, a really important point was that sometimes we just have so much going on that there is no space or room left in the mind to actually have any creativity thinking. And by going out on your bike, you're actually creating space and room for your body. You've actually given yourself, like in a meditation, your brain a chance to actually think about something or work through something without a four million other things coming in. So two other questions. We're going to change the top just slightly. I want to know what your favourite pre-match meal was at footy and probably now do you have a cycling one, but what was your favourite pre-match footy food? So every Friday or the night before a game of football, um, I would cook a, a, a cream, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this, but a cream-based, <laughs> chicken, cream-based chicken pasta with garlic, spring onions, um, peppers, uh, and I'd have that with a healthy loaf of uh, garlic bread. I'd devour that, and then what I would do is I would have a medium-sized Toblerone, and I'd have two bottles of Powerade, and I did that for as long as I can remember. Um, <laughs> well, it had you playing pretty well. Yeah, well, it you just, played very well. It, so no, thank you. It, it worked. It was just a favourite meal of mine. And I've cooked it uh, a couple of times over the last six months. I like the sound of the dish. The, the pasta dish sound, sounds good. You can maybe keep your sports drink. I don't think I need that bit. I'm not, not, I'm not about to run about 14Ks. But, you, you know, for your output, everyone needs different things, don't they? And your output at that time is what you needed. And my question that I'm certainly asking everyone is, what is your favourite way to enjoy Victorian strawberries? I've got two. And I'll go with the second okay. most favourite one first because it's probably a little bit unhealthier, but I like to cut up strawberries and then put a couple of big scoops of uh, vanilla ice cream on top of an evening. But the way that I love to eat strawberries the most is on some freshly baked can- uh, pancakes 
um, of a morning with a, with a little drizzle of maple syrup and just the strawberries on top, a lot of them, and then two big sort of fluffy pancakes would be the way that I'd like to eat my strawberries. Absolutely delicious. And, Wayne, if people are looking to get some help, where should they go? Yeah, I appreciate you asking the question, Simone. We, we've recently launched the third series of our podcast, Pucker Up, P-U-K-A-U-P.com, or if people want to jump on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever they get their podcasts from, that's a great place to go. And the reason why I want to encourage people to think about going there and listening to the podcast is because every episode is a potential tool or technique that we educate our listeners about whether or not they think it's worthwhile investing into it. And, and, and we have 20 episodes, so we've got another 14 coming. Um, and, and if we can help people develop techniques and strategies, those techniques or tools that you use, you can take them with you into every area of your life. And, and these are tools that I use consistently. What's important is people develop their own toolbox with the things that work relevant for them in their life. But if you're interested, the only investment is time. And if you're keen to start to look after your mental health and emotional well-being, then that would be a great place to start. Thank you, Wayne. And key there is prevention as well. So we all have mental health. Don't think that mental health is somebody else's issue. We all have our mental and our physical health to look after. So thank you, Wayne. It's been a pleasure like always, and I hope to speak to you soon. Look forward to it. Thanks again, Simone. Thanks for joining us at the Strawberry Jam Sessions. If you've enjoyed this very delicious podcast, please let others know by rating us wherever you listen to podcasts. And there's plenty more strawberry goodness where that came from. Simply head to vicstrawberry.com.au. Until next time, I'm your host and strawberry lover, Simone Austin for Victorian Strawberries.